Hello and welcome to the Life Vineyard Church podcast. In this episode, David shares the vision for Life Vineyard Church, beginning with part one, the story so far and what God has been doing. We wanted to take this next couple of weeks to just have a little break from the Inside Out series, which we're really enjoying and we're going to come back to in a couple of weeks' time. Just to remember what the vision for this church is and also to step towards what the Lord is leading us into in this next um, volume, if you like, next part of our story. Um, but today, uh, it was going to be called Pie Chart Sunday, but to be honest, I looked at that and it didn't inspire me, so I've called it The Adventure, which I think is a little bit more catchy, um, So, um, which, um, sorry for those that design stuff, um, I've changed my mind. Um, so we're going to call it The Adventure, we're going to look at the adventure we've been on for the last 16 and three quarter years, because it has been an adventure. And what a period to live through and what a period to lead a church through and to be a community of worshippers through. So on September the 12th, 2023, we will be 17. Um, 17 years old, still a teenager. But it's a remarkable number for, for Nicola and I. I mean, we were just reflecting on it, you know, 17 years. It just doesn't seem that long. I can remember that first Tuesday night. Um, it was just um, kind of, didn't seem two minutes ago when we met in our front room. You know, six of us gathered that very first Tuesday on the 12th of September, 2006. We gathered, we chatted, we shared a bit of the vision, and we knelt. We knelt together and consecrated this church to Jesus and said, do with it what you want to do. John Wimber famously um, said that faith is spelt R-I-S-K, risk. Jordan Sang, who I love if you get a chance to read some of his books and listen to his talks, he's amazing, has now coined the phrase, faith is spelt T-R-Y, try. And planting life in your church required both risk and lots of trying. It is hard to communicate, really, the journey we, we have been on, the adventure, the challenge, and the joy of listening to Jesus and risking and trying everything for the king and his kingdom. So I've called this part, as I said, the adventure, because the journey of following Jesus has been and always will be the greatest of adventures. So the definition of adventures, I always like, I'm not necessarily a wordsmith like Tom White. Um, I don't understand words sometimes, so I thought I'd look it up. An unusual and exciting and daring experience to engage in daring or risky activities. And to be honest, That second one has very much felt like the journey, the adventure of life in your church. It was indeed risky. Um, As you'll see in a minute, we came with next to no team. And um, and it has indeed been daring. We've dared to believe that God would do what he said he was going to do. It has been an adventure. So this week is about the story so far and lessons we can learn from it and, and the things that the Lord is doing in us as a church and a community, our culture. Next week, we're going to just plow into looking ahead. Where is the Lord leading us? What is he going to do with us? And what do we need to do in response to that? Now, there are so many stories written. Um, I love Lord of the Rings. I read it. It was probably the only trilogy of books I read as a kid. And I love it because the story grows. You know, you've got the volume one and then volume two and then volume three into the kind of, the, the story gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and it feels like that for this church. 
that you know we've had volume one, we've had volume two, and we're about to step into volume three. And the story, the challenge, the risk, the excitement, the potential of what God wants to do is growing. And so we're excited for what the Lord kind of is going to do. So the prayer for this week and for next week and for the weeks to come is more, Lord. Is more, Lord. Expand our minds, our hearts for the adventure you are leading us into in the months and years to come. So I'm going to pray. And just, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you just come and fill this place? May you be glorified in the stories we tell, in the memories we share in the adventure thus far. We love you, Lord, and we do this all for you. Amen. So Nicola and I will never forget that first Tuesday night. It was a ridiculous contrast. So we planted out of a church called Trent Vineyard in Nottingham. And Trent Vineyard at that time was a 1,000 people over two services. So we went from worshipping with a 1,000 people to six people in our front room. It was just a ridiculous contrast. But we knew this is where the Lord had led us. And I remember the last thing Debbie Wright, who's the pastor with John of Trent Vineyard and our national directors in the UK and Ireland, she said this to us, Zechariah 4.10, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. I love that. You know, the kingdom of heaven is an amazing thing. It is both present today You look around us, we can see what the Lord has done. And at Marley Hill, just look around you and see what the Lord has done. Look at the buildings we're in, look at the spaces we're in, look at the people who have gathered and those that aren't even with us today. We can see what the Lord has done. And yet we get glimpses of the future. We get to see what he is yet to do. We get to see the things that he has put in our adventures that are yet to become a reality. We see in the physical, but we also see in the spiritual. We might call it vision, we might call it prophetic, but that's the kingdom. We see what is present and we see what is to come. You know, we are told to seek the kingdom, to fix our eyes on what is unseen, to live in faith that these glimpses of the future are also a promise of the future. And we're going to come to that next week, that these glimpses are also a promise of the future. You know, when um, we planted, I don't know whether you've seen this, that was our church planting team. So four adults and three children moved from Nottingham to start Life in Your Church, back then Tyne Side Vineyard. Do you know, the following Friday, we'll never forget it, it was such an encouragement. We had a card through the door, and on the front of the card was this. Go for it. You're big as the dreams you dare to live. And as you'll see later in the talk, and if you've been to a newcomer's meal, this church was born out of a dream. And go for it, we did. You know, six of us became 16, became 23. One life group became two life groups. We stepped out and prayed for the sick to demonstrate compassion, to serve the poor. You know, from day one, we just went after the things of the kingdom. We didn't hold back. Even though there's a few of us, we just went after it. Our first meeting outside 
our house was in a pub called the Chillingham Arms on, on Chilly Road in Heaton. And we gathered together, I think this was one of the later ones actually, and we just had a ball. A life less ordinary, we called our first four talks. I heard a funny story. Um, so there's a, there was another church, I won't tell its name, um, in the city that heard that the vineyard was going to meet in a pub. So they spent the whole of their two-hour staff meeting discussing whether or not it was good or bad. Had the vineyard gone off the rails before it even started, I think was probably the question they asked. And they decided, actually, it was probably okay for us to meet in a pub. And um, this was the headline. Churches thriving as followers of the paper heard of it. It was good fun. Um, But in our hearts, um, we have always said to Jesus that this adventure would be worth it for just one person. And you know, from the very beginning, whether we just saw one person come to know Jesus or whether we saw a whole plethora of people like we have, it would have been worth it for one. Jesus would have died for one. So that was at the very heart of what we did. And talking of the one, there was a wonderful story. Um, So we were meeting in the Chili Pub, and we decided we would put an advert in the local paper, we would flyer all the houses all around, and we'd put posters up in windows, and we'd just do whatever we could to gather as many people as possible to this very, very small embryonic church. And so we did, and, um, and this guy called Derek was walking past the Chillingham pub, and, and he heard the song Unchained Melodies, and you might think, well, that's a bit random, what's that got to do with anything? Well, he Googled it, and it turns out that John Wimber, I believe, was the manager at the, of the Righteous Brothers at the time they wrote that song. Who knew? And, um, well, he didn't, because he went home and Googled it, and he looked up the Righteous Brothers, and he came across John Wimber, and he clicked through to the Vineyard Churches, and he read all about the Vineyard Churches, and he was like, well, that's interesting. And then he went round to his mum's house and he went into his mum's kind of lounge and on the mantelpiece was a flyer. And he picked up the flyer about this new church in the Chillingham pub. He turned it over and there was the vineyard church. And the penny dropped. Hold on a second. And he put all the dots together and the following Sunday night or the following month he came along. And that's been the story. It's about one person, one couple, one family, just slowly but surely the Holy Spirit drawing them to be part of this community, to be part of this family that we call Life Vineyard Church. So we moved to the Gray Street Hotel, and then we moved to the Thistle Hotel because we kept running out of space. We continued to pray for the sick, to prophesy, to lead people to Jesus, to care for the poor to demonstrate the kingdom, to teach the Bible, to build community, and to worship Jesus with all of our hearts. All of a sudden, small beginnings, six people became 60. The dream we dared to live was becoming a little bit more visible. The adventure grew, and we rose to, challenge. We rose to the challenge and obediently followed wherever Jesus led us. I can't tell you, I know some of you weren't around at that time, some of you were, what an incredible journey that was. So we grabbed our first building, but it wasn't for the church. As always been our way, it's about compassion. At the very heart of who we are, it's about serving our city. And so our first building was Watson House, I see Freya smiling because she remembers this very well, and... um, and we kitted it out with for clothes and food, and then we opened it up on a Saturday. And we sometimes had 50 homeless guys, well, and ladies, coming along to get served food for breakfast, and it was just wonderful. 
Just amazing. I've put here, they receive love and acceptance. And that is such a core value that no matter who you are, you receive love and acceptance here at the vineyard. So a couple of years later, we did actually come across a building for the church for us to gather on a Sunday and that city road and we, we met and it is, was a beautiful space. And once again, the Lord grew us and we, more people came and, and that building became full. What an exciting adventure. Such favor we had with the council and with the owners of the space. And then before long, we were given the space next door for free. And so we expanded storehouse. All of a sudden, we didn't just have a few hundred square foot. We had three and a half thousand square foot of space. And so we filled it with clothes, with food. This is a picture on the side from the kind of Saturday morning kind of breakfast club. Then we had a Christmas meal. It was just a wonderful time of serving the city and serving some of the most vulnerable in our community. It would have been so easy in this moment to settle. I think the church had grown to over 100 people on a Sunday. There was a real buzz. We were doing lots of fun things in the city. We had this amazing space. And we could have just said, right, great. We've arrived. We've made it. Let's just settle down and enjoy the destination we're at. But that's never been our way. It's never going to be our way in the vineyard. Just settle where we are. So at various moments in our adventure, in our story, we have been asked to risk and dare once again. And in 2015, we had one of those moments again. We felt the Holy Spirit stir us, that if we wanted to see more people, if we wanted to reach more people and more communities, we needed to move from City Road. And so we prayed, we sought the Lord, and we went. I wrote this down, and I think this is a, a, a phrase for us in this moment as well as it was back then. I said, in this moment, back in 2015, we realize that comfort is the enemy of consecration. That comfort is the enemy of consecration. And church, if you can take anything from today's kind of story of the church, take that. That if we're going to step into what God has for us next, comfort is the energy, en enemy of consecration. We can't be comfortable. We have to be risky. So we did decide to move to Gosforth. And this was one of our Christmas all-age services that we had in the theatre in Gosforth. It was a brilliant time. We grew. We gathered more people. It was great. We weren't sure, though. You know, Lord, this is crazy. We're moving from a great building in the city centre to a space that we no longer have kind of control over. Is this really you? So we went to the VLG, back then National Leaders Conference, and we had a personal prophecy slot. And this guy called Bob... He used to, he, he prophesied over us a few times, but this time he came over and he just waffled on about things that meant nothing. And then in the middle of this waffle, he just looked at us, stared at us and said, Gosforth. He didn't even know Newcastle. So we thought, okay, Lord, we're on the right track here. We'll carry on going to Gosforth. Um, so um, simple stories, following the Lord, trusting that he'll tell us where to go. We gathered more people, 
And then in 2016, we went away. We spent a couple of days, Nicola and I, just praying for direction for the church. And, um, well, the Lord reminded us of another part of our story. So I'm going to pause. I'm going to go back to 2006. As with the old ways in the vineyard movement, um, we planted a church without next to no training. <laughs> and so we'd arrived, we'd started, and we're like, what do we do? And then a few weeks later, we were invited on what they called the church planting school, um, which is where you're meant to learn what to do. And it was there that we met Steve Nicholson for the first time. And, um, and Steve Nicholson has now become a great friend and mentor for Nicola and I and this church. And in one session, we had to share the dream. Do you remember that? And we stood up and everybody was listening on and we shared the dream for the church, a vision for the church. Well, for, in our case, it was a dream. So if, you can't, if you've never heard the dream, then I'm going to tell you now. If you have, then just remind yourselves of what the Lord has called us to. So two nights on the bounce in 2003, I was woken up with a dream at two o'clock in the morning. And the dream was of the three-story building in the center of Newcastle. But it wasn't kind of Newcastle as we knew it. It was on this mound, and it really kind of looked over the whole region of the Northeast. And um, I remember kind of seeing it so vividly. And the ground floor of this three-story building had these big open doors, and it was just full of activity. And there was actually people queuing to get in, because in the ground floor, they were getting food, and they were getting clothes, and they were getting support, and they were being fed hot meals, and they were being accepted and loved and prayed for. And it was just this hubbub of activity of people just receiving what they needed. You know, when they were in a desperate situation, they knew they could come to the vineyard, and the vineyard would give them help. And that was the ground floor. Just take a moment to think about what we do as a church, and we'll come on to that later. That ground floor has been built and has continued to grow. Then the second floor, the second floor, sorry, the first floor was prayer. 24-7 prayer. And I love the fact that John shared that about a week in a, that week we're doing and the prayer room that started. Because the middle floor was prayerful. It was full of prayer, quiet, gentle, just people calling out to God for the church, for the city, for the region and beyond. And it was just beautiful peaceful, lovely. And then the second floor was different again. This time it was just full of people, full of people worshiping the Lord, just completely abandoned to the Lord, giving them everything. They just worship their hearts out. And then these windows were open and what I saw was the waves going out across the city and touching down all over the place. And as they touched down, lights were coming on. And I remember having a conversation with Jesus saying, what is that? I don't understand that. What does that mean? He said, as people worship my name, I will fill them with my spirit and I will send them out across this region. And as they go out, the lights coming on are people coming to know me for the first time. And then I woke up. Second night, same dream. And that's been the story, the vision for this church ever since. When we finished um, telling that, we thought, wow, that's big. <laughs> That's a little bit scary. Um, and then Steve Nicholson, in his way, looked at us and he pointed at us and he said, you're not telling us everything. And, um, and sure enough, he was right. Because alongside the dream, we also had a picture that was given to us. And this picture was of a hub, like this kind of like wheel with spokes going out all over it. And the, God had said, life in your church back then, Tyneside Vineyard, 
will be a training center for church planters and multiplication. We didn't have the words for site at that time. They weren't really on our radar. But that we would be a church that would send people out into new communities. That we would be a multiplying church. So, you know, we, we got some prayer. The Holy Spirit came. We just knew it was the Lord. But we just parked that because we hadn't even got a church, let alone a space to be able to multiply. So anyway, back to 2016. We had, if you were around, we had these little business cards with thumbprints on. Anybody remember those were around? Probably a lot of you weren't around, actually. And um, we used to go out and try and do stuff, pray for people, do kind, acts of kindness, and we would leave these little kind of business card thumbprints to say that it's a kingdom fingerprint everywhere. Of course you have. You probably designed them. <laughs> So, um, so anyway, we had these thumbprints, we left them everywhere, and, um, and then we went away for these two days. And just beforehand, I'd been to a multi-site conference, and I kind of got excited about it, and thought, Lord, is this what you have for us? Remembering this sort of picture. And um, we went for, into a coffee shop, and um, I just said, like I do sometimes, why don't we plant 10 sites in 10 years? And it seemed ridiculous, and um, it probably was a little bit, but... Um, but we just kind of felt, oh, could that be? Could that be? Should be that what we do? And we sat down at this table, and I kid you not, sat on the table was this magazine. And we just knew the Lord was in it. That these kingdom thumbprints, these kingdom fingerprints that we were trying to put across the whole region, that he wanted us to do this. He wanted us to multiply. So we went back to the core team and we said, guys, um, we've been away for a couple of days and we've come back and we've got something to share with you and um, we're going to plant 10 sites in 10 years. What do you think? And Jeff and Caroline went, we'll do the first one. They just Literally, they put the hand up. We'll do the first one. And then sure enough, in September 2017, that's exactly what they did. Hello, Marley Hill. I hope you're having a nice morning. Um, So if you like, if establishing the church was volume one, multiplication of the church was volume two. I haven't got time to kind of go through everything because I, I would literally be here for like ever. So I'm going to give you a whistle-stop tour of what has happened in the last six years. Six years. Just think about that. Six years. Here we go. You ready? At the start of 2017, we launched the Biker Pantry at Arabi Cross. Very good, very good. We could be here all day. Um, in May 2017, we were given Marley Hill Community Centre. I've started something now. And um, we, it was for free, for free, on a 25, I can't remember the 25 or 30 year lease. Frank and I were debating it. And, um, but we got it for free, we don't pay anything for it. But more than free, the, the old association who, who ran it gave us their bank account of £29,000 and said, there you go, have that. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so good. Um, and then in 2000, September 2017, as we said, we planted Marley Hill. <laughs> Hope it's going well. Not boring you too much. Um, in May 2019, we bought this building for an incredible £250,000. <laughs> 
And if you remember, we then spent three months blitzing this side of the building to get it fit for purpose. Um, in June 2019, we planted Darlington Vineyard Church. That one kind of slips under the radar sometimes. But they are going strong. And if you ever get a chance to go to Darlington, have a look at their hope and glory in their cafe. It is phenomenal what they are doing there. Phil and Lisa Crosby, they were on staff for a while, went to Myanmar, came back, and then carried on their adventure. And we had the joy of sending them out. In September 2019, we launched LVC Walls End. Remember our Christmas, first Christmas service? Little did we know what was coming around the corner when we did that. Um, and then in March 2020, we had probably the greatest natural disaster in a generation, in COVID. And everything changed. Everything changed. So what do you do when you're a church that pioneers and multiplies when you can't even meet together? Well... We carried on pioneering and multiplying. What more could we do? So we started a food bank in response to the pandemic in the April. Everybody, anybody remember that? If you weren't here at the time, it was just nuts. The whole building was full of food. And, um, and then, so that was April 2020. And then in September, we took on Arden House, which if you haven't been, I think one of the projects is going to be grass boots at Arden House on the doing the stuff. Get yourself down there, because this is just the start. If you go now, it's just full of clothes and food. It's just phenomenal what's going on down there. So that was in the September, our compassion center. And we also launched the same day emergency food project. So with the council, with City Church, Jesmond Parish Church, and Heaton Baptist, we went about the whole of the city of Newcastle, and beyond actually sometimes, delivering same-day food parcels to people who had COVID and couldn't get out of the house. It was just phenomenal. This church rose to the challenge of the most challenging season all of us have experienced. So, Mike and Joe had joined the church. And... Um, They'd moved to South Shields, and they had a, a heart to plant something, a vineyard, in South Shields, in that part of the Northeast. So in the start of 2022, I think that's right, I was trying to remember my dates, we launched, they launched a life group. And then I think it was September 2022, am I right? We commissioned them to launch Life Vineyard Church South Shields. And they've gathered a, a team, I suppose that's what you'd call it, gathered a group of people, they're running two life groups, and, and they have at times had over 100 people, sometimes I think 140 was the top number of people they've had to their Saturday morning family fun. Just incredible, just multiplication, pioneering, starting new things, risk and try, risk and try. And then in the um, May of 2022, we launched the pop-up pantry. So how do we help a city, a region, that have come through a pandemic recover? And the council asked us to multiply the biker pantry in other locations. And so we took them up on the offer, and we started the pop-up pantry. So we started it in Wall's End in May, and then in the July, we launched Benwell pop-up pantry, and then in the October, we launched Shieldfield pop-up pantry, and then in January, we've just launched the Elzik pop-up pantry. And the North Tyneside Council are asking us to do between two and four in the next year as well. But that's probably for next week. Um, and then in March, sorry, oh, I've missed one out. Well, I've missed lots out, to be honest. But um, grass boots. In the middle of the pandemic, 
Jeff launched Grassboots. And then in March this year, they launched a partnership with Northumberland FA to serve as many people as we can with shoes and football boots across the north of England, north, north of the Tyne. Just incredible. And we've renovated two buildings in that time. You know, we've just done incredible amounts of stuff. Not forgetting Noah's Ark, the lamp, so much more. Just incredible. Six years. Six years. Incredible. So here we are, May 2023. We have three sites. We manage four buildings. We've planted one church. We have six compassion projects, two toddler groups, one lamp cafe, a thriving room hire business, three Sunday services, more than 350 people that call this church home, and we gather around 200 people on a Sunday every week. And so much more. Anybody inspired? Anybody a little bit tired? Um, it's been a journey. It's been an adventure. Debbie was right. Well, her name is Debbie Wright. I couldn't help that. Sorry, I know, dad joke, dad joke time. Um, do not despise these small beginnings. Stop heckling, man, shut up. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line of Zerubbabel's hand. Do not despise small beginnings. Let me say that I strongly believe I really do. I'm not just saying it. You know, I'm not standing here trying to cast vision. I believe that we are on the cusp of seeing God do some amazing things, not just in this church, but across the church. Something has shifted, and we need to be ready to step towards what the Lord is doing in the weeks, months, and years ahead. But I'll come back to that next week. So what are the lessons we can take from volume one and two of the story adventure of this church? Well, I want to run through nine quick ones and then finish with a couple of bits that we need to do this week, ready for next week. Lesson one. It was always for an audience of one. For all that talk of growth and multiplication, for pioneering new things, we have to remember, church, that it's worth it for one. It's worth it for one. And it's for an audience of one. It's for, an audience. It's for him and him alone. It's for his glory so it's for an audience of one. And it would have been worth it for one soul saved. It's great to worship in this space. It's wonderful to tell those stories. But you know, if one person had come to know the Lord because we'd moved from Nottingham, it would have been worth it. We have to remember that. It's not about the crowds. It's about the person who meets Jesus for the first time. It's all about trusting and obeying. One step in front of the other. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. That's literally all we can do. The Lord knows what he's doing. And all we have to do is follow. And he will lead us just like into Gosworth. And we have to risk and try to trust and obey. We have to risk and try. Because he asks us to take risks. He asks us to try. To try things that nobody's maybe done before. Or to try things that seem impossible. To risk it all. And we need to not hold anything back. We are to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our minds, and with all our strength. We can hold nothing back. If we're going to see what the Lord 
wants for this region. If we're going to see these seats filled, the balcony full of people, Marley Hill full, and all the other sites, South Shields just kind of, kind of bursting at the seams and all the other sites launched, we have to not hold anything back. We have to give it our all. Because what we're doing is not just for now, it's for all eternity. It's people's eternal destination that we give it all for. So we hold nothing back. We need to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves. He guides us. He's always at his work. And we need to see what he's doing and join in. We need to recognize that we're only just getting started. We never will arrive at our destination. The day we do, we need to shut the doors. Because God always has more. He's always extending his kingdom. He has, always has more lives that we need to touch, more people we need to bring to him, more, more just kind of communities that we need to help bring back to life. We're never going to get done. And it takes us all. All of you, all of those guys away for the coronation weekend, all of you at Marley Hill, all those guys connected with South Shields, all of those that are maybe still on the periphery of church after the pandemic begin to wonder whether they need to come back and how that looks on all those yet to come. It takes all of us to extend the kingdom of God and fully see what the Lord has put before us. All of us need to play our part. And if we can take two things from this talk, comfort, it, comfort is the enemy of consecration, one, it takes all of us. It takes you and me. We're a team together to forward the kingdom of God. And then, ninthly, radical generosity is needed. And it has always been our story. I could tell you about the times that people's giving has just kind of blown our imaginations. In a few weeks' time, in the Inside Out series, we are going to unpack generosity in a little bit more detail. But just for today, because next week we are taking an offering, Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there might be food in my house. Tell me in the, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. The storehouse was part of the temple where people gave of their food and then it was used by the people who ran the temple. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of us should give what you have decided to give in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written... They have freely scattered the gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I don't believe... It is an accident that Paul kind of talks about seed and food. You know, he understands the context of this call of the people of God to be a generous people. You know, we are to give to the mission and ministry of the local church. You know, all of this stuff that I've been through, 
And that's a fraction of the things that happens. Only took place because the church gave. Gave to the ministry of the church. Trusted the Lord and gave. So we need, once again, at the start of this volume three, as I've called it, is to excel in this gift of grace of giving. 2 Corinthians 8 says this, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. That's been our story. We've always, always as a church, excelled in the grace of giving. And we need to step towards that again in even greater measure. I did say it was going to be called Pie Chart Sunday, so I can't resist a few stats. Weekly attendance at our morning services in the last 12 months have grown by 19%. If you take the whole weekly attendance, including South Shields and Revive, then we've grown by 25%. We have seen costs increase over the last 12 months. We all have, haven't we? Due to the cost of living crisis. But here's a figure that has been challenging. Our energy bills have gone up by £13,000 this year compared to last. And then here's the challenge. Regular giving has not increased in the last 12 months. So we've grown. Bills have increased significantly, but regular giving is the same. And guys, you know, we stand up here sometimes and it's so easy to kind of try and sell something cast a vision for it but here's just a challenge if we're going to step into what the Lord has for us we all have to play our part in the grace of giving we all have to go back to the Lord and say what would you have me give in this season what would you have me give towards the ministry and the future of this church and so we've sent out an invitation um, and we're going to just pop a letter kind of we've not a letter kind of some info that we've put together at the end of this talk so you can take it away with you we're going to take an offering next week, and this is what we need you to give. 10% increase in regular giving. So we'd love to invite you, and the guys at Marley Hill, all of us who call this church home, to think around what would the Lord have me give regularly to the life, of, to life in your church and its ministry. We're aiming for £1,500 a month, but we'd love more. We're sending a load of kids to DTI. We want to, because at DTI, Dreaming the Impossible, which is a youth festival that Vineyard run, we want to see these kids change forever. To do that, we need around £3,000. That will pay for the bus, it will pay for food, and, that, and other stuff that we might, and we want to give a gift to the central fund as well. These two buildings, Marley Hill and Walls End at the Allen, there's constantly stuff that needs to be done, and the, we know of bits and pieces of essential works that need to happen this year. And that's going to cost us about £6,000. And then the final thing in this building that we need to invest in is the boiler. Sounds really boring, but it's absolutely essential. And we reckon a new boiler that heats this half of the building will cost about £10,000, will probably save us £3,000 a year. So this week, I want to ask you to pray and I want to ask you to fast. I want to ask you to pray 
for all the things that we do as a church. We're going to be a little bit selfish in our prayers. The week of prayer will we'll open it up to the whole kind of community and wider region. But for now, this week, we want to pray for this church. We want to pray that it would grow. We want to pray that this generosity would well up. We want to pray for all of our activities, that we would see God bless us and see people come to know the Lord. We want to just pray for this church. And I want to ask you to fast. And that could look like food. It could look like coffee. It could look like giving up something that you take into your body that just reminds you when you don't take it into your body that the Lord is what provides. And it's the Lord that we need to see move in our midst. There was a phrase last week at the conference, um, well, the week before last. It takes a village to, to build a church. It takes all of us to build this church. So whether it's two copper coins or whether it's thousands of pounds that you can give, just give sacrificially what the Lord has put on your heart, gladly, cheerfully, and generously. Okay, I do need to finish. It's been an incredible adventure so far. Those two words, so far, are really important. So far. We're only actually getting started. It's only been 17 years. The church has existed for 2,000 years. We're literally just a blink of an eye. We're just getting started. We're a teenager. But we've lived so much life in those 17 years. But as we step into volume three, growth, multiplication, salvations, greater impact, we need to pray, we need to fast, we need to give. So next week, we're going to be looking at where the Lord has taken us. But this week, let's praise the Lord for what he's done. And let's consecrate ourselves before him. And so that's what we're going to do now. I love the fact that it just happened to fall on the first week of the month because this is when we take communion. And so Marley Hill, I'm going to just say goodbye just on this note. Remember that first Tuesday, the six of us gathered and we knelt and we took communion. Now today... We're going to do the same. Not necessarily kneel, unless you feel you want to. But we're going to take communion, and we're going to worship a little bit more. And we're going to consecrate ourselves to the Lord once again, as we go into a week of prayer, fasting, and seeking the Lord on what he would have us give. So have a great rest of the morning, Molly Hill, and um, we'll see you soon.